All right, so welcome back to the Better Modesto Show. I'm your host, Jim Applegate, and my co-host is Chris Ricky. Chris, how are you doing today? You know, it's a beautiful Saturday in Modesto. It has been amazing weather lately. I, I always look forward to this time of year. In fact, we had two kids born right around this time of year. And so we kind of gauge, you know, by their birthdays when it's going to start getting warm again. Yeah, we spent like we spent last weekend um, in Knights Ferry doing a little hike with uh, with our kids, and it was absolutely beautiful. I, I I had to keep pinching myself to check that it was like still the beginning of March. Like this is actually winter right now. It's really I'm confused. Yeah, well, it's we are the luckiest people on earth in the sense that we're you know 45 minutes away from a really nice river walk. We are an hour away from the ocean depending on how fast you drive and you know an hour and a half away from good skiing i mean it's just amazing what you can do this time of year so super thankful for our city so chris we always start off our show with good news and difficult news so what's the good news in modesto this week what's going on yeah there's so much good news we're we're having we had a really successful week at council um we're working on economic development solutions for our community um, to try to help us get out of the COVID stuff and support um, local business um, while we, you know, these final stages, we're getting through, you know, kind of, I don't know, and we got Dr. V today, which is exciting. Maybe we can, maybe we can get her to tell us how much longer we think this is going to last. Maybe, I don't know, but we do know that we still have to get through this. We still have to like follow the precautions and get through the pandemic. And so like, as a, as a council person, um, I want to try to help do what we can to help local businesses. So we're having a special economic development committee meeting on March 25th. So zoom on in y'all. If you want to, if you've got ideas on how we city of Modesto can help support local business, it's really, really important. Uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead, man. Well, I also saw this week that the county put together, I think it's about $16 million for rental relief, which is going to help uh, people who rent and also their landlords, which is phenomenal. Yeah, that the rental program, I think it's like $16 million. It's going to go through and help people that have really been struggling. You know, people have been out of work, um, pay their rent, not just rent, utilities too. So if that's something that affects you or a member of your family, you can just apply um apply you know with the county and um i'm gonna look up the uh i will look up the url and tell you guys so that uh, and give it to you later in the show here yeah that's fantastic well i i think some of the good news out of this week as well is uh, love modesto sign up started and you know whether you're a churchgoer or not love modesto is for everybody in the community and there's been about five thousand people that sign up for local projects to help and uh, I know they've been created this year about doing some things online, some things in person. So no matter who you are, um, you can get involved with really helping for the good of our community. And so I actually signed up for a project at Howard Prep, um, which I'm excited to go over and help them because I think they're dealing with a lot of marginalized people in our society um, and I, I wanna help them. So I'm excited about Love Modesto. And I think you're gonna see a lot more signs up around and it's coming up in April I think it's April 24th is the Saturday this year. So that's a great thing coming up in our city that I think every sector, whoever you are, education, government, anybody can be involved in that. So that's fantastic. Hey, Chris, is there any difficult things that you're dealing with this week in our city? I mean, there's a lot of difficult stuff. I think that we have um, in our society, not just in Modesto, not just in Stanislaus County, but in our whole country, 
we're having a bit of like a, a homeless and mental health crisis sure. that we're dealing with. And um, one of the discussions we had at council um, recently, and we've been having it over the last couple of weeks is in terms of how we respond to mental health calls. And so um, we're exploring and discussing different solutions. And one of them, uh, if you're interested in kind of like one of the things I'm thinking of is there's a program in Eugene, Oregon called the CAHOOTS program uh, that, in, that takes 911 calls and dispatches, uh, you know, mental health experts and um, nurses and EMTs to certain 911 calls that used to be um, dispatched by police. Um, and what we're seeing is that, you know, not only does this re reduce, you know, incidental violence kind of, you know, bad outcomes, but it also helps solve the, the problems that you're having, you know, so, um, and it's not a perfect solution. There's no perfect solution, but it's just another way of attacking the problem. Um, and, and I'm excited about it. And Denver also has a similar program called STARS that's, that's also seeing pretty good results. And, and so this is stuff that I'm working on with, um, with the county and with, with people and with the chief of police. And we're, we're working on trying to get these things, um, these things to happen. But it's, these are tough conversations and they bring up a lot of really uncomfortable um, and un uncomfortable situations. And, you know, you have to talk about horrible tragedies that have happened in our community. And it's a, uh, it's a real challenge. It's not fun. Yeah. Well, Hey, this just reminds me why we elected you, Chris, and not me. Um, you know, for our listeners who don't know how this show came about, Chris and I both ran for city council, same district, and he won and I didn't, but through the conversations across the, uh, the campaign, we both, both became friends and really admired one another from a distance. And then, um, you know, just said to each other, hey, if you win, I'm going to support you. If you win, I'm going to support you. And Chris, I, I can tell you, I am so glad you won. And you've got my undying support um, just because of what you just said and the kind of ideas that you are bringing into our city. Um, and I'm just super thankful for you. And mental health is a massive problem in our city. I work downtown. I see the effects of it every day. Um, you know, we don't just have a homeless problem. We have a mental health homeless problem, which is so complicated. And so I'm so thankful that you won and that we are dealing with this together. So thanks. Man, yeah, for... man. And it's just, so, it's, it's fantastic. We have a friend like you too, man. And like, I, I mean, this has just been a really, it's been a really intense, but really awesome experience just getting to know you and getting and doing the city council thing and getting to know all these other people in the community and like, you just realize it takes all of us. And so when we look at like our politics and we look at who we are and what we do in the end, we find that 90% of the stuff, we all kind of want the same thing. We all want to help people that are, that are homeless or mentally ill or addicted to drugs or that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. So, yeah. And I'm going to take your 90% and up it to 95 or maybe even 99, Chris. Like, <laughs> it might be, man. It might be. It's, it's so good. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to. Um, wait, wait. I'm not done. I got more good news, man. More good news. Oh, okay. Tell us uh, the good news. Want to hear well, it? Well, we demoed these pallet shelters for homeless people. Um, and they're, they're a really neat concept. And the, the pallet shelters, you know, they cost between about seven and $20,000 to build, but they're semi-permanent structures for first tier homeless solutions. Um, 
and that's the shiny exciting fun part right which is the little shelter and you know it's it's durable and it's good in the winter and it's good in the summer and it's got a little heater and a little air conditioner and like it's a it's it's a safe place and it's got a lockable door so it's, it's a safe place for people to stay while we figure we unravel their problems the challenge being all the support services you need, all the infrastructure you need to make the things work, right? And so yeah. we had a really great demo of it in downtown Modesto. And we had, you know, a bunch of city officials came down there. The mayor was there checking it out, you know, kicking the tires. Um, and all sorts of local um, groups, advocates were there looking at it. And more than anything, it just got us all talking about how we can work on this problem together. And that just, I was just so positive for me and I'm just excited about that. Right on. And that really is a great follow-up to our show from last week about affordable housing and uh, in the great work that Barbara from Stanislaus, um, what what was her title again? The Housing Authority, Housing Authority. Yeah. yeah, the Housing Authority and the work they're doing. So, so thankful for that. And the ADUs you were talking about. In fact, I we said, both of us said, man, we'd love to do a future show just on ADUs. And, yeah, we uh, got to get like Jalen French down here to like sell us on ADUs. Yeah, I, do I that. think that is a that is a great idea. So, so, yeah. All right. Any more good news you want to share? I mean, I got so much good. No, no, I think we're good though. We're good for this week. I'm gonna save some good news for next week. Okay, I love it. I I love the fact that um, you you know particularly, and I I know City Council is doing a good job at this and just bringing people together from so many different aspects of life. Um, you know, one of our, our big things is bringing every sector together, whether it's government, education, faith, nonprofit, business, all of that together to try and solve the problems in our city. And, you know, I love the fact that you, even as a city councilman, are saying, hey, government cannot fix all of these things alone. And so, you know, what a, what a great example of what our city's doing in, you know, putting that in the center of Modesto, inviting people to come and look at it and uh, enjoy that together. So, yeah, great work, man. Good stuff. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we have taken our first entire segment just to talk about the good news and the good things that are happening in Modesto. But when we come back, uh, we're going to introduce our guests. And, you know, Chris, last, last week I gave you the challenge of can you say Dr. V's last name? So in this last week, have you learned how to say it? Is it, do you say it Dr. V? Is that, <laughs> is that how you say it? No? It is. Is I actually got a lesson from Dr. V, and she says it is Dr. Wei Shen Payan. So, man, that, that is her last name is as complicated as her job. And uh, <laughs> so, we're looking forward to introducing her and, uh, you know, figuring out what she's doing for our great city right after the break. So, you're listening to Power Talk 1360 KFIV and the Better Modesto Show. And we'll see you right after the break. Well, welcome back to the Better Modesto Show. You're listening to Power Torque 1360 KFIV. And we are so excited about our guest today. This is Dr. Wei Shampion. She is the health officer for Stanislaus County. So welcome to our show, Dr. V. How are you doing today? Thank you very much. I'm doing fine. And thank you for inviting me today. Yeah, well, we know you are extremely busy in this season. And so, you know, just for you to take a, a, an hour out just to be on our show is, is phenomenal. And we, we just want to say thanks. So could we start just by asking you who you are and what your job title is and, you know, your position in our county? Just give us some background on this for people who don't know. 
Okay. Well, I was going to go way back. Um, so I grew up in Eastern Washington, um, in the Yakima Valley, very agricultural, very much like here, honestly. Um, and I worked out in fields. <laughs> I get the agricultural community. I, I grew up, we had to cut asparagus um, April through, well, through May to the first week of June. You know, we'd be up at 5 a.m. Our high school would go on asparagus time. Um, I don't think they do that anymore, but so many of the students would be out cutting asparagus every morning. They actually couldn't start school on time. So anyway, I went out to Michigan um, for uh, school and kind of got stuck there in uh, Metro Detroit for about 29 years. And uh, during that time, I, you know, did my training, became a physician and um, specialized in infectious diseases. And about, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe I decided I was tired of um, treating diseases and wanted to start working on prevention. So I went and got my master's of public health and started working in public health. Um, I think that was around 2008. And then about 10 years ago, we moved to California to get me back on the right coast, which made me very happy. And so I've been working, I worked at the state health department for a while. I worked in San Joaquin County uh, public health for a while. And I've been in Stanislaus County for almost four years now. So um, enjoying, enjoying the work very much and the communities. Yeah. What a gift you are to our community, the fact that you came from Yakima and kind of understand the agricultural and then the different ex experience you've had in your life. Tell us uh, something about you personally, because I know like sometimes when we hear your name and you're the health officer, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, that's that person over there who's sort of robotic. So do you have cats? Do you have dogs? How many kids do you have? Yeah, so um, my parents both school teachers. I talk about that a lot. So I grew up in a very education-emphasized um, environment. Um, I have four children. Um, the first three were boys, and I like to say I, it took me four to get it right because my baby's a girl. Um, they're all in their twenties, so they're 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 a bit older. Um, and down to two dogs. Uh, one died over the last year, but I still have two lovely dogs that keep us all company too. Right on. What type of dogs are they? Oh, so one is a uh, shepherdy. They're all from shelters. So he looks shepherdy. Um, they called him a lab shepherd mix. And the other one's a boxer sharpe mix. And they're three weeks apart in age and they're eight years old now. Okay. Well, I love this. And I want our, our listeners to keep in mind that you are a real person as we answer this. Like with all the weaknesses and strengths. I mean, you told me off air that you're kind of an introverted personality. So this has been a really tough year for you being, you know, so much in the public spotlight. And so I, I, I just want to affirm you as a person and say thank you for who you are in our community first off. So I want to ask you, um, you know, you're the health officer for Stanislaus County. What does a health officer do in, in Stanislaus County? And, you know, let's talk about this pre-COVID, because we know COVID has been all-consuming, but what does a normal health officer do? Well, all of public health, it, that's a really difficult question because we do so many different things, but the really overarching mission of what public health and public health officers work for is to improve the health of everyone in their, in their jurisdiction. So since being a county health officer, I'm talking about the county. And you know, we know that everyone is not going to be healthy all the time, right? Disease happens. But what we do want is that ensure that everyone has the same opportunities for health. So we know like things like healthy food um, are important to have good health. 
but people who don't have a car and don't have grocery stores don't really have an equal opportunity to access healthy food. So these are some of the things that we, in a regular day, work on is access to healthy foods, ensuring healthy air that we breathe, um, goes into some tobacco smoke policy at times. So most of what we do is more like policy and um, just ensuring that, you know, like we work on grocery stores and access and, and looking around to see which ones have healthy foods and, and trying to introduce and, and ensure access to healthy foods. So it's, 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 but the over, it's, it's kind of the, all this different work, but if you think of it as an overarching, trying to ensure everyone has an opportunity to live a healthy life, that's what we're really working for. Okay. Now, fast forward then, hmm. what does that look like this year? And, you know, we're basically one year in now. This is the first week of March. And in my memory, really COVID started hitting the general public in Modesto around the first week of March last year. Yeah, so COVID has taken over really almost all public health actions. Um, so what we were doing before, um, really no one's working on ensuring access to healthy food or air, or it's just, it's very little in trying to keep the minimum going. There are some things we have to continue to do like birth and death records we do, um, so the certificates, but for the most part, all staff have been pulled to work on COVID. So it's working on, on COVID-19 really. Um, I mean, we still get cases of tuberculosis, so I still have to, you know, do the public health actions we take for tuberculosis. But um, other than that, um, just continue to work that way. Okay, how many people are on your team, Dr. V? The whole health department is about 170 staff, I think, um, total. Okay. So, that, but right now I would say, you know, I don't have these numbers, but uh, I would say there's at least 200 people working on COVID. But, you know, we have people from other county agencies, cities, it, it's just, it's people from everywhere that have come into work. Wow, okay. All right, so Chris, I feel like I'm dominating this. So feel free to jump in at any point that you wanna ask questions here. So Dr. V, can you just give us a brief history of the COVID situation in Modesto and the greater community and how things are going at present? So just kind of a big picture overview. Yeah, so I mean, we, we had our first case. I actually, you know, I've just really recently looked it up. It was in fact, March 11 um, and it, we really didn't have a lot of COVID in our county until last June. Um, there was a big surge with agriculture, right? People came in, people moved, people started mixing in different ways. Um, uh, cherry harvest, um, that really started uh, getting uh, the COVID spreading more and more as we moved through harvest. So um, we didn't have a lot. Uh, as of now, uh, we've had, I, I believe it's over 50,000 cases. Um, which, you know, is 10% of the population that have been diagnosed, actually tested and confirmed to have um, COVID-19. So it's really affected all areas of our county at this time. Wait, did you say 50% of our county? No, no, 10%. Um, it's 50,000 cases. Okay. Okay. So 10% of our county and okay. And then, you know, you were saying to us off air that you know, the, one of the differences between our county and, say, a Bay Area county is that we don't have the type of jobs that people can stay home from. And so this has impacted, you know, the COVID situation in Stanislaus County. Can you talk about that a little bit for us? 
Yeah. So when they first um, put the stay at home order on and then they started looking at the cell phone traveling data, I mean, there was a bunch of cubic and there were some other ones where you could go online and look at how well we were doing at staying at home. And so um, we looked at that and we were always getting graded as a D or an F. And, you know, so we started really diving into why um, we had so much more traffic patterns. And it really comes down to the fact that we don't, as opposed to being compared to the Bay Area, we don't really have jobs where you can stay at home. Our, the jobs that Stanislaus County residents have um, mean you have to go to work. Like let's talk about agriculture. You can't work in agriculture from home on your computer. So it really leads to different patterns of transmission and, and um, ability to, to slow spread more quickly. That, that is fascinating to me um, because, you know, sometimes I look at this and I think it's a very simple problem. And yet you begin to talk about our workforce, you begin to talk about um, the amount of income that people earn, you talk about the benefits that they have with their job and the fact that most of the people in our valley, uh, they need to go to work in order to survive. They don't have huge savings accounts. And so even people who are ill with flu-like symptoms feel like they need to go to work because they just can't take time off um, because they need that paycheck. So they don't have savings, they don't have um, you know, even paid holiday by some of their employers. And so this really changes the, the, the face of public health, doesn't it? Oh, very much so. Yeah, it, it, and, and what we have to do to support people in their ability to protect themselves. Yeah, right on. Well, okay, so we need to take another break, but we're gonna come back and ask more questions. We're gonna talk about the stories of success and things that we've learned in our county. So this is the Better Modesto Show and you're listening to Power Talk 1360 with uh, Jim Applegate. And I promise Chris Rickey is gonna talk quite a lot in this next um, segment, right, Chris? Oh, I'm here, man. <laughs> All right, we'll see you right after the break. Welcome back. Uh, this is Jim Applegate and Chris Rickey, and you're listening to the show Better Modesto on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And our guest today is Dr. Wei Shampayan. She is the health officer for Stanislaus County. And so, Chris, I talked the whole last section. So, what what do you want to talk about with Dr. I mean, v? I think like the show more Jim makes the show better. That's what I think. So like more Jim, <laughs> that's where, where we should go. But uh, I mean, like, look, I'm just really excited to have, you know, Dr. V here um, because as a council person, I, I feel like some of the frustration in my constituents about COVID and a lot of that frustration is directed right at Dr. V. She's got this like giant target on her chest and everybody pointing and blaming her for what's going on. And like, I was kind of one of those people when I came on the council, because like, we weren't, we weren't getting regular reports from the County. Like we just had the kind of the city manager give us reports. And I'm like, you know, I want to hear from our health officer. Let's go. And then she started coming to our meetings and I was like, Hey, we're in really good hands. And so I'm super excited to have her here today to kind of share that feeling of where we're at of where we're going, of what we're gonna do. So you all can feel like kind of what I'm feeling, which is the confidence that we as a community, we're number one in good hands. And number two, we've got a really good direction for the future of how we're gonna deal with this pandemic and get out of this, get back to normal, you know? Yeah, yeah. So in that, do you have a question for Dr. V? Yeah, uh, well, I think vaccinations are obviously really, really important. And 
some of the, there, I get lots of questions from constituents about confusion and like, you know, am I in this category? I'm in this category. Mm -hmm. So like one of the questions I had the other day was, so we've got, if you could just define what tier one B is <laughs> and how that, and yeah, that'd be great. I'll just stop there. Okay. It's a great question because there have been so many changes that have come down from when it was first defined and then it, it, it keeps getting changed and I think it's gonna keep getting changed, but um, at least I think 1B is set now. So phase 1A was healthcare workers and, and people living in long-term care facilities, um, residential care facilities for the elderly, because we've heard about all the outbreaks. We know how COVID has affected um, our older adults living in congregate settings. So as we moved into the next section, um, it is people 65 years of age and older and it is people who work in agriculture, food and agriculture, education and childcare, and um, emergency services. There are long lists of who is included in there. And I think a lot of the confusion comes out of who is included in, in those um, sectors. And I have to tell you that we, we ask these questions um, every day and are getting more clarity and more answers. Um, the way this works and i just so let me just stop you there because like like one of the questions i got right like yeah. so you talk about like teachers like i'm a teacher well like i got a like paras in my mind as a layman a para is a teacher right but is a para really a teacher like are they on the list are they not they're working you know helping a disabled student through their day all day you know going from class to class to class with that student does that mean they're a teacher or, but they're not actually a teacher though because they don't have a credential, right? So like, that's the kind of questions I'm getting. Yeah, so um, education and childcare, don't say teachers. So it's anybody working in education. So it includes all the staff working in education, just like healthcare worker includes all the people working in a hospital say. It, it doesn't have to be just the licensed staff. Um, what we did to try to bite it off into more bite-sized pieces so we didn't have, because that sector is, is over 100,000 people in, in Stanislaus County. So we said, let's get those most at risk for hospitalization and death first. And we did this as the whole San Joaquin Valley. We agreed to start off in these groups, just those groups with age 50 and above. So it's 65 and older for everybody in the community and then 50 and above if you're working in, in those three sectors. And then we'll, we'll continue going down. We're not stopping at 50, but just to try to get those most at risk for hospitalization and death first and then move on to um, the other groups. So um, it makes sense, but it's, it's, it's harder to, to implement, you know, and the, you know, it's just easier to say, okay, it's all teachers in this one school, but really it, when we have scarce vaccine, trying to ensure that we're preventing the most, the most damage from the virus. Yeah, so one question I have in this, Dr. V, is, you know, as a, as a pastor in the community, I feel like my congregants are looking at me saying, hey, can you, can we do this? Can we do this? And every once in a while, the um, information all changes, you know, mm -hmm. and so what the, the county tells us just, you know, is so different. And, you know, so we, we're telling everyone be patient. And, you know, people look at me as a pastor as kind of a leadership figure and say, well, can, can you tell us what's going on? I, I've got to imagine in your position, you are getting so many data points every day. The state is telling you one thing, the federal government is telling you another, you know, all these things, so how do you process all that information? How frustrating is that for you in your job? 
you know, when they talk about drinking from a fire hose, it's exactly what it is. The, the information comes so fast. I, pretty much we meet, I meet all day, every day from seven to seven, really just trying to get the information done. You know, we've gone to seven day a week work weeks and you're just really trying to keep up with all the information and, and, but trying to communicate it out when it changes so hard, that's where it really gets difficult. So I do a pretty good job of staying up on everything. So I understand it, but getting everyone else to know what the changes are and understand what it's changed to, it's, it's, it's a challenge. And, you know, the messaging and communication is really hard. So is it frustrating for you as, as our um, health officer to be able to say, yeah, this is the way vaccines are going today, but then the data might change tomorrow, or we might get a new vaccine approved or something like that. And everything changes tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, that's just been the story of the pandemic. I mean, you're moving one way and then it, it just the blink of an eye, all of a sudden you're moving a different direction. And, you know, we all complain about this because it does make it very difficult, but, but Honestly, as we learn more and as, as life changes, I mean, with things change every day and we're just really trying to adapt to it and, and ensure that we're doing the best possible job at the time. It does make communication difficult, but we really are trying to ensure that we were responding to um, the latest knowledge and the latest, like where the virus is, how is it, how is it spreading in which communities and, and be able to respond to it. So like Chris said, um, you know, what, what do you want us to know about the vaccine rollout and the, the steps that we're taking as a county? What information do you want our listeners to hear? Well, I guess the most important thing is, is well, first is please have patience because it literally does change every day. Um, there is a lot of change right now in vaccines, like how to register, where you go. We're trying to all get on the MyTurn system as a state. So there's almost just one place that you go to get an appointment anywhere in the county, because I think that will really help um, the system still having some bugs in it. And so we're not using it yet. Um, hopefully in the next week that'll get fixed and that's going to help. Um, I think the other issue is the, the federal government also gives vaccine directly into the county. Um, through their federal retail pharmacy partnership or program. And they're not going to be on my turn. Um, and that's through the CVS, the Rite Aid, the Walgreens. And I think they just added the Safeways. And so they are going to be doing things a little different. And because they're their own systems, you have to go to their websites. But we're trying to keep up with all of this on our website as a one-stop place to go so that you can see it um, and know how to go get a vaccine. We post our schedule, hopefully by Friday for the next week. Um, it's, you know, it's dependent on how much vaccine we get, but we're really working to try to keep the message out. And the only place I can tell you that our, is most up to date is our West website, that's schsa.org. Um, you can get to it through any almost county, you know, stancounty.com or any of the county websites, but um, directly on the, on the health services agency website. So it's really the most comprehensive place to get this information. Right on. Chris, do you feel like your constituents um, would be happy with that kind of report or are you got any questions that you would ask to? Look, I just have lots of constituents asking questions all the time and it's been actually really good because I've been able to coordinate through the city, which have coordinated through your office and gotten really good answers for people, which has been awesome. I mean, I think what people want to know is, and I know you really can't answer this question, but we'll just, you know, do the best you can ballpark it for us. But how, 
when do we think that things are just going to start feeling more normal? Like when can we like, I want to see my friends. I'm lonely. You know, I want to see Jim. I haven't seen Jim in like a year. I know you came over and delivered some Christmas cookies. That was the last time I saw you and that's, <laughs> and they were delicious. They were absolutely amazing. But yeah, I would like to get together for a summer barbecue for sure. Yeah. 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 So I'm hoping by this summer will be, I don't know about normal, but back to being able to gather with our, our family and friends in maybe smaller groups, but maybe not. So I'm really hoping for this summer to, to have it feel a bit more like um, normal. I hate to use that word because, you know, what is normal? But that, that's <laughs> what I'm hoping for is this summer, we really start feeling a lot better about um, our ability to, to resume gathering and socializing and, and, and something of our normal life. Well, we're going to talk after the break a little bit more about what it looks like to come back. Um, and so you're listening to Power Talk 1360 KFIV. You're listening to the Better Modesto Show with Chris Rickey and Jim Applegate and our guest, Dr. V, who is the health officer for Stanislaus County. We'll see you right after the break. Hey, welcome back to Better Modesto Show with Chris Rickey and Jim Applegate. You're listening to Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And our guest on the show today is Dr. Wei Shampayan. She is the Stanislaus County Health Officer. And we just want to say thanks again, Dr. V, for being on our show. You know, I think it's interesting we call you Dr. V because you said it's a W at the beginning. So that's just weird, but we're thankful for that. It's a V that sounds like a W. There, there we go. go. That's, that's what it is. So Because it's, you, it's just got to be, fa it's, fa it's a fancy way of pronouncing it, right? That's yeah. it. That's it. Well, hey, we were talking right before the break about, you know, what it's going to look like to come back together as a society. We've all been kind of quarantined. We've been trying to stay in as much seclusion as possible. But as we start to come back, Dr. V, what, what are your hopes for us as a county? What would you like to see us do? Yeah, that's, 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 kind of, that's a really difficult question. I mean, I hope I, I, it's not going to be a switch, right? We're going to gradually come out of this and, and it's just going to be all of a sudden you're going to look back and go, oh, wow, um, we've, we've come a long ways. Um, some of the things that hopefully we've developed over the past year, they, these are habits, right? Um, I have to tell you at the beginning, I didn't think anybody thing about standing close to people. And now it's like, I'm constantly backing up from people. So I think we've developed habits that we're going to carry forward for a while. Um, you know, washing our hands frequently. I hope these have been, been, been systematized in our lives as being habits that, that will help us as we transition back into um, a non-viral dominant life. So um, I, I, I hope that's the way it goes, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be slower than people want. And that's because the virus is still out there and it, it really is just waiting for people to let up so it can start infecting them to give a virus thoughts. So you're telling us, be conservative, be very careful. Don't just, you know, go run in the park. Don't let your kids run in the park. Like, just be careful with what we're, even as we get to this nicer weather, because you know, does a virus care if it's sunny outside? <laughs> well, luckily, sunlight and heat kill viruses much more quickly. But other than that, no, they don't care. They don't care if you're old or young or this color of your skin or what your religion is. They don't. I mean, it's just a virus looking for a susceptible place to start living and growing and replicating. So, yeah, it's 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 it, and it's a respiratory virus, so it's transmitted by the breathing and the breathing out. And so we know how to, we know how to prevent this. And it's, you know, just keeping a little bit more distance from people 
and you know, if you're sick, staying home, that's a key one. Yeah. I, I like what you said there because it kind of goes in line with what we are trying to do in our show that it doesn't matter what your religion is, what your age is, what your ethnicity is. Um, you know, we're trying to make our community better and we're looking out for everybody in our community, including the, uh, the ones who are most susceptible to this virus. And I think that's important to talk about is who is most susceptible and how can we take care of them even as we start to come out of this pandemic? Yeah, it's unfortunately been very clear that the older you are, the more you're gonna have severe disease. And, it, and well, younger people, we, you know, we've heard people say, well, then it's not, I'm not gonna die, so I, I, I'm not afraid, but none of us live in a bubble and we all impact, our actions impact all the people around us. Um, and so, you know, when we're gonna take action and say, well, I really don't care, but then you, you really need to stop and think about your neighbors, your family, your, your friends, your coworkers, and what you do actually does affect them. And so um, really, really thinking about how you have an impact on others' lives, I think is what we need to carry forward as we start moving into a post-pandemic uh, society. Right on, um, uh, those are good words. So, you know, tell us, um, you know, Chris represents government, I represent faith sector. We're, you know, we're trying our best to be helpful. How do you think different sectors um, can be involved in helping to, you know, end the pandemic quickly? Uh, how can we be helpful even moving forward in this? I think the best way, what we really need right now are those, what we call trusted messengers. We need um, our, the, you're trusted in, in your faith community. Chris is trusted in, in, in the um, city of Modesto and city council. He's trusted to be able to get things done and they will trust the messages that you bring. And, you know, really that this is about a virus, that this is, you know, we need to still be a little bit careful. The vaccines are safe and effective. Here's how we can get vaccinated really. And then trying to help people sign up once we have a, a, an enrollment system, you know, then, then people need internet and they need to understand how to go through an enrollment system. We'll, we'll need people to help others get signed up and get the vaccine. I think those are the key things because people uh, hear a lot of information that isn't correct. And we need to have those people that are the trusted, trusted sources um, be giving really good information to our community members. So it's a great idea for Chris and I and other leaders in our sectors just to go to the Stanislaus County website, to your website, to get the up-to-date information and disseminate that as, as best as possible. Yes. Yeah, yeah and I think like if I've learned anything from this conversation, and every time we talk to Dr. V, I feel like I learned something. But I think the biggest thing I've taken today, Jim, is like, stay the course. You know, we're making progress against this virus. Things are getting better, but we're not through this yet. And let's continue to work together as a community to save lives. Let's be careful. Let's be respectful of our, of, you know, our other members of the community. And eventually we will get through this, but it's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be next month. It's yeah. going to be when it is. And we just need to be patient and we will get through this together, but we need to, we need to be patient so that we save lives. Yeah. And, and Dr. V, we realize that you have been the center of much controversy. And, you know, a lot of this has been because our lives have been so disrupted by this. And in some ways, we just need someone to blame or someone to point at. And sometimes that has been you. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to say from a faith sector point of view, sorry. I mean, we, we want to say sorry that that has been so hurtful towards you. Because um, I think it's part of the faith sector's responsibility to live in confession. 
and, and just to say, hey, we really appreciate you and your team and the work that you are doing to try and help Stanislaus County stay healthy and the way that you're taking care of all of us. So kind of the last question I wanna ask you is how can we support you and your team? Like what, what could we do that would be meaningful and helpful to you? Um, well, I think, I think you just kind of nailed, nailed it on the head. One of the things I hope is the messenger thing, but also keep, keep talking about how people have different opinions and, and we all have to respect that. And we have to treat other people with respect, um, with dignity, understanding everybody weighs risks and benefits differently. And that's one of the things that I think has really come out in this pandemic is what is the acceptable risk for what acceptable benefit? And everybody's going to weigh that differently. And everybody's on this whole scale of what's an acceptable risk and what's an acceptable benefit. And that's okay. And then we just have to accept and respect people for their different opinions. Um, I mean, I think you can see it every day in life about how people are, their their ability to take risk is, is different and that this is no different. And so really the dignity, the respect, the patience, all of those um, traits are really what we need right now. Right on. And I, I hope there's a way that, um, I, you know, I know on the city of Modesto app, there's a way to give feedback and even good feedback to the city. And, uh, you know, we'd love to even encourage our listeners just to write letters, to encourage your team, just to say thanks um, for the work that you guys have been doing. So I, I want to say thanks in closing to, um, to you, Dr. V., Thanks for using your background, the skills that you have, you know, those 29 years in Detroit and your master's degree, all those things that we've learned about you today, the fact that you're a real person, you have dogs that you love, you've lost a dog in this season, which is gut-wrenching. You know, you're, you're familiar with all these things and yet you're using all these skills for the good of our community and for making uh, Modesto better. And, and we just wanna say thanks for that. Chris, you got any thoughts to add on to that one? Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine how much time you've had to spend trying to keep people safe in this community over the last year. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And just, I hope you realize that you've saved lives and thousands of lives in this community through your hard work. I appreciate that. Um, and, and just thanks for taking the time to talk to the community and kind of project some of that wisdom for everyone to know so that we can all feel a little better and maybe understand what's happening you know, soon. Yeah. Thank you very much. I, I do want to say that I have a whole team behind me. So really, well, in front of me, maybe. So it's, it's not just me. There is a massive team working on this and, and all of the thanks go to them as well. They have, they have just been outstanding. Well, we appreciate all of them. We appreciate you. We appreciate the fact that you've taken so many hits and you've kept standing up and doing what's right for our community, Dr. V. So thanks for being our guest today. Hey, next week we have a great show lined up. Chris, who is on our show next week? Next week, um, Modesto Police Chief Brandon Gillespie will be with us. Um, you know, Jim, that we've had a lot of controversy in our city over the last couple of years um, with, with policing. Uh, and I've known Brandon for quite some time. Um, and I'm just excited that we can have a really good conversation with him about how we're all going to work together to try to improve policing in our community. And 
just kind of all the different issues we have and like the possible solutions that are being discussed. So right. it's a tough issue, but it's a, you know, there's, it's, there's a lot of good solutions floating around out there that we're all discussing. And I, it's a really good time, I think, to bring, you know, Chief Gillespie in here to talk about it. Right on. So we're looking forward to that for next week. And then Chris, you also said you were going to give us some information about the rental assistance program. Yeah, I, I forgot about this, but we do need to, if you, if you're having trouble paying your rent or your utilities because you lost your job because of the pandemic, please go to www.stanrentassist.com. That's Stan is in Stanislaus, rentassist.com. You can apply there um, and the county's really efficient at processing these claims. I know that they process 300 claims the first day that this was announced. And there's there's $16 million um, so far. And I've also heard, I'm not, this is not a guarantee, but I've also heard that if we spend that 16 million, there might be additional funds that we can ask for from the state. So please, I know it's been a couple of weeks since this thing got launched, but like just apply for it if you need it. It's there for you. Right on, right on. Well, hey, that's about all we have time for today. So thanks for listening to Better Modesto. And uh, hey, would you make Modesto better this week by just sharing this radio program and sharing the information you've heard, sharing that Stan Rental Assistance website with others so that they can get the benefits involved, share what Dr. V has shared on our show today. Um, you have the power to make Modesto better. And so this is uh, Chris Rickey and Jim Applegate with our guest, Dr. V. Thanks for listening today. And you've been listening to Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Better Modesto Show, and we'll see you next Saturday at 10 a.m. Have a great week.